Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. This is episode number 40, and this is me, Steffi Cohen. And Hayden Bow. And Ian Kaplan on this one. And today we sit down with our nutrition coaches, specifically Francesco Catalano, who is our head nutrition coach, Simon Chang, and Gregory Sutton. Uh, today we're going to be talking about their experience dealing with clients during and after the COVID-19 pandemic, what were some of the things that our clients struggled with and what were some of the things that our most successful clients did that led them to not fall behind in their uh, nutrition journey. After that, we talk a little bit about how our methods have changed over the last year or so and how important and valuable continuing education is and keeping up with the most current literature and evidence to in order to give our clients the best plans and the best service that we can possibly offer. This episode is brought to you by Go Strong Equipment. Unfortunately, our marketing through this podcast has been so good for Go Strong Equipment that they're overwhelmed and actually can't take on any more orders. So <laughs> please don't go to GoStrongEquipment.com and try to place an order because you won't be able to. They're playing catch up right now. They're working super hard. They're going to uh, be accepting orders again in uh, a very short period of time, hopefully. But uh, it's great to see them doing well. We love working with them. In the interim, you actually can still go to GoStrongEquipment.com if you want to buy some uh, some apparel. You can find the links through that. You can find it on their social media, GoStrong, or at GoStrongEquipment on Instagram. If you're watching the video version of this podcast, maybe you can see the shirt that I'm wearing. It's their GoStrong uh, apparel, black on black uh, tee. And uh, I love what they do on the apparel side, too. They're one of the, the only equipment manufacturers that don't make lame apparel. So check that out as well. And uh, sit back, relax, enjoy this episode of Hybrid Unlimited. What's going on, guys? How are you doing today? Well, I don't know who I'm talking to because there's like 11 people in this, in this podcast today. So it's going to be a little bit hard. But today we have Greg, Francesco, Simon, Cap, Hayden, me, my dog, Caesar. <laughs> Riley, ton of people here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. There's, there's not, we're, we don't have a schedule for today. We kind of wanted to touch on what's been going on with, uh, our nutrition coaching during, uh, you know, the pandemic and isolation kind of wanted to ask what are some things that our clients have been dealing with and how do they overcome it? What were some of the things that our most successful clients have done? And what are some of the things that uh, coming out of isolation you guys would suggest? So I don't know who wants to start first, you know, maybe tell us a little bit about uh, your experience with our, with our clients and what were some of their struggles? Uh, okay. So I mean, over the last couple of months, it's been really insane. Uh, for those who are only on audio, I'm Francisco. I'm the head nutrition coach. Uh, I've been nutrition coaching for, for six years, and this is something that I, I have never seen uh, before. I don't think anybody has. No one has. Um, but it's been so surreal for so many people. And for myself, I mean, my life hasn't really changed. Uh, you know, I work from home. I do everything from home. But a lot of people, they can't handle that um, it's because it's novel. It's new. And uh, what I found, you know, most challenging for, for my clients is, that adjustment of not being able to leave their home and having to take the responsibility of, you know, being a parent, uh, you know, also working from home, all just trying to deal with the distractions uh, that come with being at home. Uh, you know, uh, myself, I work just outside my bedroom. Um, my office is right beside my bed. So often, you know, it's really easy for me if I'm having a rough day to just go lay down and 
flexibility because I don't work a nine to five, but others, they don't. Um, so it's been really difficult for a lot of clients to try to wrap their heads around creating a routine that's not filled with distractions or filled with food. Uh, for many people that sign up with us, like they're looking to change their nutritional habits, lose weight, and it's really difficult to uh, when you're shut so you don't know what to do with yourself and food is always it's now available all the time to you um, you know there's this, this joke that I read on the internet not long ago uh, about COVID-19 we all know COVID-19 is but uh, when you kind of think about it they, they kind of reference it like everybody gained the COVID-19 uh, which is funny because you know you've heard about the freshman 15 and I don't know like but on the other kind of references like that but, the quarantine 15 you know, also the COVID-19 <laughs> Kind of what uh, I haven't seen with any of my clients, but my clients who have gone through this, they speak about their friends who have gained that COVID nineteen and how proud they were that they didn't do that. They may not have seen as much progress as they had wished because it was difficult circumstances, but uh, just the fact that they did not gain that was a huge one for them. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I, I did the opposite. I worked out less, and my appetite was less, so I like. I lost the COVID nineteen. I think. <laughs> yeah, but for you, it's so much different too. You're, you're dealing with the Miami Heat, and you're spending more time outside. You just took up boxing, right? That that's kind of take like yeah, take a big true. influence on your appetite. I know when I when I went to Mexico for a period of time, I didn't want to eat anything. <laughs> I, I was so bloated and, uh, from the heat, and just spending more time outside that food wasn't available, wasn't really thought. Um, but for many of my clients, uh, you know, they're, they're dealing with the winter. And that's what really made it difficult for them. They couldn't even leave their home to, to go do exercise or try to get outside. Um, I, I know it's so different for people in Florida, but uh, I don't know how, how would your clients find me, right? I was going to say, for some people, it's almost like it was easier. They weren't running around. They didn't have to like cram things in. They had time to themselves to make food, um, go grocery shopping. You know, They didn't have to eat out, and then they kind of were just able to fit things in which, yeah, it was easy for a lot of people. Um, but it was it's weird to see, like, complete left and then complete right, like, extremely hard, extremely easy for some people, and then obviously some people in the middle. But um, I think we all got a bit of everything like that. I think it has to, it really has to do with your perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what are you going to make out of the situation? I had the same mindset as you or as those clients of yours. Like, when when we first got the news that we had to stay home and that, you know, you couldn't go to work, you, everything was closed. The first thing I said is like sick, like I'm going to dial in my nutrition. I'm going to dial in my training because I have nothing else to do. I'm going to meal prep. I'm not going to eat out. You know, I'm going to be more responsible. I'm going to move more. I'm going to plan my walks. I'm going to wake up earlier. Like for me, it was a retreat. It was an opportunity to like dial in on habits that I've been neglecting because my life has been so hectic, right? Clients are thriving in this and some of our clients are sinking. And it completely is individualized based on how they manage their stress and their anxiety, but also their environment. Because some people, the reason why they're struggling with their nutrition is because they are constantly driving past that tempting place on the way to work, or they're, they're being really social with their friends on the weekends and maybe, you know, drinking alcohol is a, a part of it because the calories and that are in alcohol and the food that comes with it. So those people, when this uh, lockdown happened, you know, they immediately were thriving. They're making better progress than they ever had before because they didn't have a choice. All the things that they're struggling with now were gone versus we have other clients who maybe their struggles are snacking in the kitchen or snacking at night. And when, when they're 
they're exposed to that food all the time. They have issues controlling it. So we see those clients who are struggling a bit more. And then that's when it's really important when we go over, you know, designing your life and designing your environment to support your goals. Um, Jessica, what's that? What's that one book that it goes Slim by design? Slim by design. Slim by design. Yeah. yeah. So uh, going over, you know, making sure that your environment is supporting of your goals, getting, getting those tempting foods away, uh, making the harder, uh, the bad decisions harder, making the good decisions easier, et cetera. And then also, you know, your environment, you know, Steffi, you're saying you were treating this almost like a retreat and it was, it was, uh, you're taking advantage of it. Then, you know, I have some clients who are in like, they're in like a little shoebox condo and this is just brutal for them. They're in a downtown hub. They can't go out. They can't do anything. They can't go to the balcony for a lot of them. Yeah, exactly. So that's been, you know, I, I feel for those clients and trying all of our coaches have been trying to support them as best we can and uh, trying to make the best out of a really crappy situation. They can't, you know, train at the gym, do what you can do hybrid at home. If, if you don't have the motivation to do hybrid at home to the full extent, then do half the workouts, you know, but it's, it's, Again, a mindset thing, just trying to make the best out of a very suboptimal situation for some people. What did you guys find? I think it was really dependent on that. You know, what kind of responsibilities people had for a lot of them. Like I mentioned earlier, they were parents. Uh, you know, it's really difficult to, you know, the one thing I heard most from parents was the respect that they had for teachers. They just, after the first week of quarantine, I can't believe people should be paid more. Uh, you know, I love them. I can't believe they put up with my children and put up with 30 times this or whatever the number is. You know, they, they were just in disbelief because not only did they have to, uh, you know, work, but they also had to teach their kids and babysit them and, and try to figure that out while making their own meals. So for myself, where, you know, all I have to do is take care of me instead of you have to take care of you, maybe sometimes Peyton, I don't know what it's like over there all the time, but, uh, you know, for us, we can trust. When people have to take care of others and they have a lot of responsibilities, it's really difficult. Uh, so the first couple of weeks were really rough and back to training, people just didn't have the motivation. They, you know, so many people just tie their nutrition with their training, which, you know, it, it makes sense, but at the same time, those things don't go hand in hand. You know, food is around you all the time. You don't have to train to, to lose weight. Uh, you know, uh, I've been talking about my mom as an example. You know, she's never trained in her life. She has no, uh, no desire to and you know that's something we're working towards but during this quarantine i, I took the opportunity to you know get her diet in her, her diet in right you know i i put everything in order for um <clears throat> and her and i were with the same amount for, for a long time you know i started the quarantine out at 198 and we had a race who could lose the most weight um and as she surpassed me she's now in the in the 170s uh but she's lost almost 25 pounds since the, since the beginning um, you know, granted, she broke her arms, so she hasn't been able to cook, and I've been making all her meals, so it's been kind of cheating, but, uh, you know, it, it's totally possible to get those, those things in order, but she doesn't have to take care of anyone because now I take care of her. Uh, I've assumed that responsibility, and, you know, for, for sometimes it's like, I feel for the parents. I'm like, I get it. Chesco you know, has but, literally <laughs> made his mom like the perfect case study. Like, yeah. he is going on walks with her. He is making all of her food and like we went over or Chesco was describing me the food that he's making for his mom. It's literally like the absolute optimal weight loss diet. Yeah, she's eating so much protein. She doesn't even know she's eating the protein. She's eating less food. She's more full. It's been awesome. High volume, yeah. high fiber, going on walks to improve digestion, probably optimizing sleep now. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, Canada, we have THC and CBD oil, uh, oil or 
you know, weed is legal here in Canada. And no one's ever been one to try it or anything or have a desire to, but I, I give her oils at night to help her sleep because she's always been the kind of person that would be up until five. You know, she, she takes it knowing I'm not dragging my mom. Yeah, she's always been drips it on her toothbrush. Yeah. mom. But she's always been the person to be up till four in the morning, you know, insomnia, not being able to sleep and then waking up early and, you know, snacking and doing all that stuff. She never ate a lot of food. Uh, you know, she's had a good uh, relationship with food. She just snacked. She just ate a little bit of everything, and that's kind of how she gained weight over time. <clears throat> but now that we've eliminated that because her arm's broken, it's been it's been really great, and there's been no social occasions or anything. Uh, the only person that's hurt by this is my grandmother, who is no longer able to cook for her and do things that she loves. Um, which is another reason why people are also struggling because like, they're trying to appease the 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 people around them, trying to eat the food that they're eating. Um, but again, like I said, people don't really have this ability anymore because they're not driving or not able to see their family so much, which is great. Uh, um, but yeah, it, it, the first couple of weeks were a struggle, and then when people started to figure it out, man, they, they all started thriving. Or, you know, just doing better. They're no longer gaining weight or freaking out. And uh, now kind of people are, are scared to go back to regular life. Yeah. You know, they don't know I can, how to, I can, you know, regain that control that they had or, you know, the, the lack of control that they had previous to, to the life they've gotten used to it. Yeah, I can definitely see how somebody who's very social and also has a problem, uh, you know, saying no when when there's social pressure to eat or drink, then, yeah, you know, this could have been a huge, huge benefit for them because you're literally not you, we weren't allowed to be social for so mm-hmm. long. But I mean, it's, it's such a running joke that like how many memes have you seen where it's like. Okay, where it's some guy and it's like, oh, I'll just have one beer. And then it's like 10 beers later, you know, you're, the guy's still out. And uh, it's just so easy to fall into that trap for so many people. So just giving you that extra, just the, the even for even for us from a work perspective, just like a huge part of our job is networking and, and having to see people and entertain people all the time. And now we had the perfect excuse to just be like, uh, you know, sorry, we can't and focus on other things. And, you know, a lot of people like they're just be able to do that with with their nutrition during this period of time. But I, I did want to know if was there any sort of correlation um, or any sort of similarity between the people who signed up dur- for nutrition during COVID and were their struggles any different than people who had, you know, been building habits with you guys already leading into this whole pandemic? Was it a certain type of person who, you know, were they very motivated? Were people just like terrified of getting fat? Like what, what was, what was the sort of climate like inside the nutrition program of all these new signups? I think most of the people who are now signing up, like strictly because this happened, they realized that they have full control over what's going on now. So it's time to buckle down and, you know, get those systems in place, which is admirable because this is a time when to do it. Uh, this is a great time to practice your systems, practice the processes that, you know, change your lifestyle in a way that get you the results that you want, but also maintain those results over the long term. Um, it is harder to kind of practice that flexibility in those social situations because you don't have the option right now. But then as things slowly loosen up, it's not like, these lockdowns or quarantine ends and then people are all like running to the bar and they're like packed and it's like completely normal. Everyone has been kind of hesitant to get more social. It's been a more gradual thing and that's a perfect opportunity to work on practicing, you know, being flexible with your diet, uh, practicing being social, practicing the balance of, you know, being social while still maintaining a healthy and balanced lifestyle and healthy and balanced diet. So 
this is a good opportunity to uh, knuckle down and focus on those systems. So then when you do go back to a completely normal lifestyle, whenever the heck that's going to happen, yeah. I don't know, um, you're going to have those systems in place. That's cool. It's like a, it, it's a forced gradual exposure back into socializing, eating and drinking and all that stuff, which is literally the yeah. best situation. I also, I also think of it as investing, which also partly explains why the market is doing well, is that people who have a little bit of time and energy and money to spend or spend are investing it because they have right the the ability to do so and they they know it will pay off in the long term um and you see that both financially and just with and that, that's an interesting perspective that's with behaviors too it's like it's easier to make these changes now hopefully they'll stick and that's kind of uh hybrid nutrition's job to to help them stick and we kind of don't know what the future looks like but well that's also why yeah. we, we did the you know We've been focusing a lot with on hybrid habits, mm -hmm. the 30 days of mental muscle, uh, all that stuff to sort of try to help people. Uh, yeah. Through all I was going to say, um, I found initially when people started signing up, like we were still getting a similar amount of signups, but they kind of had the same mindset Steffi had um, or was saying about in their questionnaire. It was like, great. Like now I have all this time to um, focus and like all these other things are cut out. But I was going to say, I like how we're doing like hybrid habits right now. Cause one thing I've been emphasizing to my clients, it's like, no matter whether there's a pandemic or something else going on, it's like the objective is still the objective, meaning like you still want to work on your habits, whether you're dieting or whether you're doing a surplus, it's like, you still want to get, get enough protein, like have a good environment around, um, eat enough fiber, all those things. So that was kind of like a point I was getting across to, uh, my clients in this. What, what did you see in terms of uh, body composition changes in people who were adhering to the diets? Because I feel like so many people's routines changed. And again, just to like th to throw it back to the memes online, because they're so true, like they're just so great at describing these situations sometimes. Um, and, and I love when you see one that you're totally guilty of too. It's like, Steph and I have never been on so many walks in our life. <laughs> and then it's like, uh, you know, I think there was a meme where it was like, uh, everybody is like one week into quarantine. Who's like never been on a, a walk in their life. And it's like a bird's eye view shot of like the Chicago marathon or something <laughs> like everybody's out. It's like, dude, I didn't even, I didn't even know there were you know, five other dogs in our neighborhood. I've met 200 oh, over, man. over I, this quarantine. And I made so many friends with my neighbors. I think yeah. that's, that's... It's like the most social we've been within our neighborhood just yeah. because everybody's, you know, at home trying to, 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 to walk around and do some form of exercise. But to bring it back to the question is, since people's, you know, exercise selection had changed sort of in a, in a mandatory way, uh, you know, have you seen... Like, how has that affected people's progress? How has it affected their, their goals? Has it, have they been forced to take a step away from their goals or have people been able to, to, you know, find a way to, to keep making progress? Uh, I mean, it's really difficult. There's, you know, there's so many modalities used. We obviously have hybrid at home, um, but a lot of other strategies that people have been using has been like blood flow restriction training or myo reps uh, for those that are motivated. But it, it's really difficult because, again, nobody knows what's going on within one train. Uh, you know, it, especially with those people in apartments or parents, like the motivation really came and went and you'd be good for a week and then the next week, you know, things would be really bad or, you know, they find out the news and, and then they just stop training for a while. Uh, so body composition changes were kind of hard to tell, but if they, if they start to the diet, the weight loss still happens. 
you know, uh, training isn't really, it's not the best way to lose fat. It's not, it will help you lose fat for sure because you're burning calories and it might, you know, help uh, blow your appetite a little bit. But, you know, it's not necessary for, for weight loss. So for those that were still sticking to the diet, we, we saw progress. That, that didn't stop with anything. The weight loss picked up because, you know, they were losing muscle uh, and fat at the same time. Um, but yeah, body composition changes were really tough to, for people to wrap their heads around because uh, as much as you can do things at home, it's, it's not the same stimulus that you get at the gym. So you can maintain a lot of your muscles, but even then you're going to lose some. Uh, at least some of those like harder muscles to, to really grow or you know maintain calves, maybe size your back, your chest because you don't really have the stimulus to do that. Um, so trying to just tell people, uh, you know, trying to be honest with them, like, hey, you're gonna lose some muscle here without totally defeating them, uh, making them feel like there's there's no point in in training, you know, to getting the point across that something is better than nothing. It was really difficult. Um, and still is for a lot of people. I mean, for myself, I, I was able to pick up a set of uh, both like dumbbells at the beginning of the quarantine, uh, before everything started getting pricey up, and I even found myself struggling to, to train, you know, and now I have the, the, the time to do it anytime, because now I'm training in my bedroom, and I found myself pushing off, but then like, oh, you know, I'll just do this part. It's saying, oh, I'm going to do it later. I'm just going to do this couple of emails, and then by then it's like 8 o'clock. I'm not training at 8 o'clock, I'm going to bed. Yeah, um, that's the other thing but, is, is the work at home switch for people. I mean, you work at home all the time, but you know, yeah. I think 30% of the workforce went from working in an office to working at home and now they can work. They have no behavior, you know, established around that. So now they work all the time, you know, or they can't manage their kids and then kids and work happen at the same time. And that's just a source of stress. And you're right that, yeah. that like being, having a home gym is a blessing and a curse because the accessibility component of it is obviously great. You know, for us, we can walk out our side door and we have a gym right there. But then at the same time, it, it's so easy to push things off. It's so easy to be like, like you said, oh, I'll just answer a couple more emails and then I'll just check out this YouTube video. And then you go down some rabbit hole and it's midnight and you're like, ah, tomorrow I'll work out, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I think, you know, just or, or you're like trying to train the Netflix, like, good luck. Yeah. Like, you just want to sit down and you're just playing on your phone yeah. before because now you have great Wi-Fi. It's just, it, it, it becomes really challenging. Um, but those who thrive, it, it sticks to something. They, they like it. They enjoyed it. Yeah. And I, I know a lot of people don't even want to go back to and there's I think a, it's really important yeah. for people to, you know, realize why they work out and realize why they train because something I've had to go over with a lot of my clients is like, like you guys mentioned, like, why am I even bothering? Like I'm, I'm, I'm working so hard right now, but I'm still going to be losing progress. Like no matter what, if you don't have the weight to lift and you're one of your goals is strength, you're going to lose strength. There, like there's literally nothing you can do. You can blood flow restrict your entire body and do as many reps as possible. You're still going to lose strength. Right. But I think going back to like realizing why do you actually work out? Like, yes, we're shooting for goals. Yes. We're trying to get stronger or get bigger or get more athletic. But like at the end of the day, we all love to train. We all love the feeling that it gives us. We love the energy that it gives us. We love the, you know, the stress release that it gives us or whatever. And I think losing sight of that, has been a really big issue for a lot of people, especially I can speak for myself and also my clients. So going back and remembering like, okay, yeah, you're not going to make a lot of progress right now, but that's, that's like kind of secondary to the point that you just enjoy doing it. So 
don't worry about if you're going to make, if you're going to lose progress or whether you're making progress or not, just modify your training in a way that you enjoy. Like I, I used to train or before the lockdown, like when I was in Spain, I was doing five days a week, like hard ass training, 90 minute sessions. Now I'm training. I was training three times a week. Now I'm upped it up to four times a week and I'm doing like 40 minutes because that's all I can mentally handle. That's all I want to do. And that's what I'm enjoying right now. So just making sure that your training is designed in a way that you enjoy it, I think is humongous. Right yeah. Now. And it's, it's, it's reprogramming your brain from the thought process of, you know, it's all or nothing, you know, it's to me, I, I always use this example because I think it's so it's always something, right? Sorry, not all or nothing, but always something. Well, no, I like that. That is a good one too. But to me, it's like, because just because you not training at all, because you can't train optimally is like getting a flat tire and then popping your other three tires. It's like, why, why would you choose the worst route just because you don't have the option for the best one? You know, and you're right. It's, it is always something. It's not zero, zero gains, or I lose all of my gains or I'm making the most gains it's like how much can i minimize the damage of or or damage is such a negative word but how much can i minimize the 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 strength okay. and and hypertrophy yeah. you know losses that i'm going to have over this period I, of time i also want to want to go back to something that greg just said about finding workouts that you enjoy that um, that make you happy i think that's true to a certain extent obviously like there has to be a certain level of enjoyment but at the same time you know i think searching to look at life through a through a pink glass all the time is is cheating yourself because in line to yourself because not everything that you do is going to be enjoyable not every workout's going to be enjoyable and sometimes you just have to do things that are uncomfortable and challenging you know and i think that like that's the case for my mom for example anytime that i'm like mom why don't you like go to a crossfit gym and just take a few strength classes or hire a personal trainer and like lift some weight she's like i don't like to do that and I can't, or, or I offer her beets one time. I'm like, Hey mm. mom, I made you a beet salad. It's like really good for blood pressure, whatever. It's good for your health. And she's like, I'm, I, I don't like beets that much. She has one and like stops eating. I'm like, okay, I know you don't like them, but they're good for you. So it's <laughs> like, how do you, it's like, I think it's important to get past that you know, mindset. Huh? You know, what's an, another one that I didn't even realize was a thing. That Hold on, but let me finish the sentence. I, I, I want to jump in. I wanna, I'm going to jump in because I'll forget. Otherwise I've had too much coffee, but I didn't even realize it was a thing that people in buildings in cold weather places, they literally don't want to go to gyms because they don't want to have to go through the process of like go leaving their building and like having to put on a coat and boots. And that literally stops people from going to the gym. It's like, well, what's you, you, you've chosen to live in this place that sucks, you know, and that's (laughs) on you, but so what, you're just going to get obese and never exercise it's like that that can't those can't be the two the only two options i mean that's why buildings have gyms most of the time i know they're tiny but it's like what if that trainer is not going to come to you one of my favorite things is to just jump in my car in shorts in the middle of winter and just drive to the gym that's so good i used to to always do that i literally wore flip-flops to the gym just because it was part of my routine for my whole like weightlifting career socks and flip-flops i'd get into to to the the training center and my socks would be soaked because i had to walk through all the snow (laughs) (laughs) i went to the gym in like the dead of winter wearing shorts and a stringer and then i saw a guy get hit by a car right in front of me so then i have to stay and like be a witness and i'm like (laughs) <laughs> like like freezing cold and the cops looking at me like what are you, you stupid like what are you wearing right now it but is so maybe I should have practiced where I said Canadian. before because I agree with what Stephanie said like you can't see everything through 
you know, a pink pink glass. I think that was the phrase that she used. Rose colored glasses is what, the, what I was yeah. referring to is the people who are really struggling. Like they they were in the gym, they were pushing hard, and like now all this happens. It's like what now? Like they 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 have no motivation to do anything. And I'm saying like this very realistically because I was that person. Like when I left Spain, I practically didn't work out for a month. Like I was here. I, yeah, I could do all the bodyweight exercises in the world. I knew everything to do, but I didn't feel like doing it. So this is a huge part of, you know, how we approach our coaching um, is finding, it doesn't matter whether it's the most optimal, but just finding something that you're confident in doing seven, like every single week. So whether if it's a daily routine, something you're confident in doing seven out of seven days a week. So if we're trying to get back to 10,000 steps, can you do 1,000 steps today? Okay. Then do it. It doesn't matter whether it's optimal or not. Okay, next week, let's try to go for 2,000 steps. So I, I coached myself the same way that I do my clients because when I came here, I'm not working out. Vanessa's yelling at me. She's calling me lazy, all this stuff, which is 100% true. So I started doing uh, three workouts per week, just 30 minutes, push-ups, whatever, not even training my legs because I didn't feel like doing 1,500 reps of air squats. And then that progressed to four times per week. And then it progressed to longer workouts and more intense workouts. And that's just a way to develop getting back into some sort of a routine. So when this hits hard and when you're out of your routine and your training's all whack or your nutrition's all whack, just find the minimum that you are 100% confident that you can maintain. Just focus on that and then add bit by bit every single week. And then that's how you can then progress into doing, you know, a, a more rigorous routine or what you're normally doing or what you're striving to do. Yeah. Yeah. And on the other side of that, I took the opposite direction completely with a lot of clients. Hey, you don't feel like doing this thing? That's okay. You know, it's totally fine not to want to train right now. You know, this is, we're going through a pandemic, going through a lot of stress. There's a lot of change going on. It's okay. Don't do fucking anything. Just sit at home if that's what you want to do right now. But if this is the way you love, this is what you're going to, if this is what you, you know, you're passionate about, you'll come back to it. If you're going to come back to it eventually, you just might need the week to fuck off, you know? Uh, how many times have we gone through deloads uh, or like training uh, for me? And then the next week, we don't want to do the thing at all. But then after that week, we're totally back into it. We're back in love, whatever. Um, and back to what's other thing, but something, you know, sometimes you need to do something that, you know, that hurts and, and pains you. But sometimes, it's like, there's times where you just don't need to do that. And that's okay, too. Just find something that you do enjoy that is minimal, uh, that is fine for you, that's going to work for now. I can't tell you how many people I, that are my clients that pick up a Peloton bike. That bike is, is crazy expensive. And, like, the workout seemed like a lot of fun. Or that, that cool uh, mirror workout thing. I don't know what that's yeah. called. It's a, it yeah. looks like a mirror when it's off, but then otherwise it's like a, a trainer that comes at you and starts yelling at you. Sort of <laughs> People just started doing those uh, for fun. Uh, but the Peloton bike has been huge for so many of my clients. Yeah. And they just picked it up uh, for fun. Awesome. Uh, and like, they didn't really resistance train. But just taking time off for a lot of my clients is what they needed. And then they, they fell back in love and wanted to have a and motivation, but when you have no motivation, no energy, do something, you continue to push yourself to do something, even if it's a little bit, then you just continue to beat yourself further into that hole that you're just digging, and so you can't get out, and then you end up painting and burning yourself out, uh, which is something like I have to be really conscious of with this, you know, a lot of my clients, just telling them that it's okay, and people just needed to hear that. Um, it's okay to have that binge meal tonight, you know, that, that snack, maybe you just needed to get out of your system, now it's out, don't feel guilty about it, next week you know and, and over time they just kind of have to accept it there's a lot of change um, and just being that compassionate voice letting them know like it's alright um, help them get them back on track instead of spiraling out of control yeah Is, did you was the wind totally taken out of your sails there or do you have uh, did totally you still want to finish your, your sentence 
No. No. Yeah, it's true though. And the, you know what you said, which is funny. And I think, I think you actually might be wrong about the power lifters because I think the real reason why after a week power lifters go back to, uh, you know, training like normal is because we don't know any, what else to do. <laughs> People are like, <laughs> isn't that the classic? I just go back to bodybuilding for like a week and then I'm like, okay, I'm over this. I don't know what else to do with myself. Let's do that. Yeah, that's so funny. It's, that's what literally every single powerlifter says. Like, you know what? I think I'm just going to take some time off the barbell, not do any squat bench or deadlift for like a month or so, you know, and then we'll like see where I'm at. It's like three days later, they're they're testing where they're at in, in bench or something. It's, it's the routine. Well, some, some of it is who am I if, I'm, if I am not squat bench or deadlift. That's true. I'm hating the powerlifter, so I must do the powerlifts. Um, I did want to switch gears a little bit uh, because I think we've really covered pretty well all the all the COVID related stuff, unless there's something you guys want to add. But um, I th- I wanted to talk about just the the landscape of nutrition coaching in general uh, and, and how the industry's changed and sort of you know h- how hybrid nutrition has changed. Um, you know, and because like most you know nutrition businesses. You know, back in, in our infancy, we're very, um, you know, IFYM heavy. And uh, you know, like I said, a lot of people were. But I know that now flexible dieting has become a tool that we use or or the more IFYM has become a, a tool. Why are you stuttering so much? <laughs> Am I? I think, uh, man, I think I've said too much coffee. I think so yeah. too, man. So but, what you're trying to say is that nutrition is cyclical and it, and it well, moves not, kind of fast. Not necessarily cyclical, but just the landscape has changed so much. Yeah. It used to be, you know, people fell into these categories. I'm paleo, I'm IFYM, I'm, I'm, you know, vegan, whatever. And I think now we've, we've maybe seen more of a blend and more use of all those tools. And I just want to hear sort of from, from your opinion, since you're the head nutrition coach, and then also, you know, Greg and Simon, if they've seen, you know, what, what the difference is that they've seen or how have we changed? How has our, our coaching evolved throughout the past several months? Well, I was going to say, what have you learned through the, through these past, you know, three months because it's kind of, you know, we've talked about how drilling down to the basics has been really valuable um, and kind of refocusing on what we know is important, but are there stuff that we kind of have evolved on because of what we've seen? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's all the same question is right. How have we changed? How have we evolved? Mm-hmm. Right. How has the, the, the space evolved? Uh, well, I think, you know, for the last couple of years, it, it's been more of a focus on hit your macros, IFYM, here are your numbers. It doesn't really how you, I mean, it matter how you hit them. Let's just, you know, have a fiber goal. And you kind of just saw people eat really random things to put things together. And, you know, people thought the numbers were magic. Um, and for a period, I think even the coaches thought the numbers were magic. You had your protein set. Um, and then, you know, had your, your carbs had to be optimal and your, your fats had to be, you know, low on the lower side of things. And, and if you hit all those three and you didn't deviate between five, between five and half or down or whatever, mm-hmm. then you'd see progress. And if you deviate a little bit, your problem client yeah. um, and this is why you didn't see any progress you know um, and you you know you had hit cardio you had uh, missed cardio or you know and you had to do sprints and all these funny things uh, in order to see progress because that's what the evidence said that's what the science said um, and now it has become this huge shift towards that behavior uh, mindset habits your environment you know Greg touched a lot about uh, the environment aspect there and that uh, plays such a big factor in just figuring out, uh, you know, having conversations with clients about that they can figure out what's influencing their behaviors. You know, what kind of uh, ties to food do you have? Are you uh, the kind of person that, you know, uh, or, you know, are you a big family person and your family uh, really loves to bring food to the, to your home? Are you a big social person? 
Um, you know, what kinds of habits did you ingrain as a child? You know, something that people don't really realize is like, we uh, relate food to everything. You know, it's a reward. You did really well at something, here's some food. Yeah, you broke up with someone, here's some ice cream. You know, mm-hmm. everything is just linked to, to, to food, and people don't really realize that. Uh, where like training, that's something you don't have to do. It's something, you know, you do when you have time, but food you have to eat. Uh, you know, you can't get away from that. It's a part of all of our lives in so many different ways. And just trying to get people to understand that and understand why they're eating the foods that they're eating, how they're eating the foods that they're eating. So uh, coaching has become, uh, at least I think for all of us, um, I want to say for all of us because I make sure our coaches do this, but is is asking questions and trying to help uh, us understand the client and for the client to better understand themselves because it doesn't matter what plan we give them if they don't understand, if the plan isn't based on, on them. And so we help our clients kind of come up with their own plan based on what they know about themselves. It, it, you know, I don't want to say we help clients explore themselves, but in, in a sense, we do. We, we ask them the right questions. We have them reflect, uh, you know, during our check-ins. That, that's their time to reflect on the week. And we ask a, a series of questions so that they can kind of think about what led them to those decisions or what came about that week. And we, you know, have conversations back and forth. Um, so coaching now has become more behavior-based trying to just figure out what we can do to get to this, this client to adhere to a deficit, but do so in a way that makes sense for them, in a way that they understand for themselves, uh, knowing themselves, if that makes sense. So it's it's become a lot more work, uh, but so much more gratifying because you build this connection with the client and the client really gets to know themselves. And by the end of it, they, they know who they are and that their decisions are their decisions and not decisions based on, you know, the cereal that's on the counter or the drinks that are in front of them or the appetizers at the table that, you know, it, those, uh, or they hear an ad and now they're hungry. They, they understand the triggers, the motivators for why they're eating. So it's just, it, it's been, it's been a huge shift from numbers to understanding people and people you have to know that are unpredictable, uh, but also predictable. And there's so many different kinds of people that you're working with. Um, that you can't really just typecast people because you don't know what their, their history is. Um, and that's the fun thing about coaching is like you, you're having these conversations about like so many different connections. Yeah, um, it's so interesting. It's, to answer the question in short, it's move from numbers to figuring out people and that people are really complicated and they come with their own uh, history. Yeah, I like the, the, the shift from macro-centered to client-centered because I think that's a... Uh, the language we use to describe it. Oh, you, you can't hear me. Uh, I like that idea of switching from a macro-centered program, like the macros are what you deliver, to a client-centered yeah. program where it's about the client and and their needs. And yeah, it's just the macros yeah, are one it's tool. Real, it's yeah. real coaching. actual coaching instead of, <laughs> hey, here are these numbers, and if you don't hit them, you're a bad yeah. person and everything's your fault. And it's 167, <laughs> not 168. Yeah. <laughs> right. We offer better macros. Yeah. We're very, very specific. Yeah. How, so how do we, how do you guys use macros to, to set up a program? If at all. Sorry. How do you guys use macros to set up a program or set, set up a, a client? <laughs> Who's fighting with cats in the background? Hold on. Yeah. We're gonna have to mute Simon. Simon's got some action going on at his house. Um, so, yeah, okay, we're good. Um, yeah, the question was, what, how, how do macros now come into play when you're when you're making a program? 
compared to how they how they used to because like we said before it was very much hit these targets and if you don't well i can't help you you know so what's what's the role of them now i feel i would kind of take a step back and then answer your question sure. i feel fortunate that when I, I got into um nutrition coaching it the big thing was already mindset so like that that i came into that so i didn't I want to say I had to like switch teams or, you know what I mean? Like I, I came into coaching knowing how important mindset was, but how, how I was a coach two years ago is completely different than how I was a coach one year ago. How I was a coach one year ago is completely different than right now. And I guarantee you one year from now, it's going to be completely different and so on and so forth. But how I used to coach was I, I'm a nutrition coach, but this is the style that I do. Like we, we do macros. We, this is, this is what we do right. where now it's, I'm just a nutrition coach. Tell me what you want to do. And we're, we're going to come up with a plan together. And I think like, like you said before, it was either the client was a good client or the client was a bad client because they can't adhere to my plan. But it's like, no, there's nothing wrong with the client. There's something wrong with the plan. Yeah. If, if I can't, I can't just uh, do a, a big stroke across everyone and give everyone the same plan and expect that everyone's going to get the same results. Some people do amazing on macros and calories and et cetera, et cetera, and tracking. But like now, uh, I think we're all Simon, Francesco, everyone on the hybrid nutrition team. We're all exploring a lot more non-tracking methods and just not becoming a macro or an IF or I don't want to say IF, YM, uh, a macro or a calorie-based coach. And now we're just a nutrition coach. We're, we're just coming up with plans that work with our clients. Mm-hmm. Do you guys still get clients who are just like, hey, shut up and stop talking about habits and give me some numbers? Yeah, I was going to say, um, I have some clients who are like, hey, can you just like give me these targets? Like, that's what I'm asking you for. Um, but it's more now it's like we're using macros for some clients, um, as Greg was saying, as a tool. Just to, you know, understand you might want to get in more protein, you might want to get in more fiber, or you're eating this many calories, or now you're becoming more aware of how much you're eating. So it's more of just a tool, and we're trying to find the right tool um, based on their lifestyle, based on their behaviors, and kind of like meet them halfway, for example. If they are started tracking and they were eating, say, 60 grams of protein, it's like now we kind of want to meet them halfway, and maybe they're going to eat 90, and we're going to use tracking as a tool, or maybe we're going to use just focus on the behavior and add another palm size serving of protein, something like that. But something I wanted to touch upon that you guys were saying before, it's before kind of like it fits your macros or flexible dieting. It was kind of seen like as like a diet and it was like, you were either on or off. It's like, you're either on keto or today is just like a fucking day. Like I'm not keto. So some people are like, I'm either tracking and on diet or I'm just like not tracking and whatever. But now it's like, like I was saying before, we're more using like tools to help you with the plan. Tracking is a tool. I'm um, using your hand as a scale might be a tool or just like improving your environment. Um, at the start might be another tool or just focusing on like a grocery list or something like that. But now it's like, as Chesco was saying, it's more like behavior based, lifestyle based. And like we like emphasize, it's not like a diet, it's changing your lifestyle. Yeah, I think macros also have a big place or using them to diet has a big place in just understanding what you're eating, like what an, what actual foods mean to your body. 
you know, because growing up playing hockey, the goal was always we people, they wanted us to put on size. And for you, Simon, playing football, I'm sure it was the same thing. Get bigger, get bigger. Oh, you need to increase your protein intake. And then you'd be like, okay, what do I need to eat? And your coach would be like, peanut butter. You'd be like, oh, well, that's not even a, you know, it, back it's then protein. we're like, okay, sweet, protein. peanut butter, lots of protein. And then you, you know, you, you track your macros for a bit and you realize, oh, wow, this is actually a fat source. Like I might as well be eating butter pretty much. But uh, I, it just really, for me at least, it really helped me understand my, just the environment of food around me. What is a protein source? What is a fat source? What is a carb source? And sort of what rate, what, what makes sense uh, in terms of ratios of how those should make up your diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when a client signs up, we have them answer a series of questions. Um, and it kind of just helps me cue what's actually been going on here. Like what is your weekday diet look like compared to your weekend diet? What have you been struggling with? Uh, and things like that. And then from there, I, I won't even, for a lot of people, I don't even set numbers, uh, right off the bat. I'll give them some guidelines, but I'll prompt them with questions. Uh, I'll ask them like, Hey, uh, you mentioned that on the weekends you kind of struggle with this. What can we do to get around that? Like you mentioned, you go to this restaurant. Let's come up with a list of five restaurants that we frequent where you know you're not going to um, you're not going to overeat. The menu option is safe, or you're not going to deviate from your plan. You're not going to be tempted to eat the free bread that might be offered. Uh, share that list with me. Uh, you know, I give them homework. Uh, here's a, a kitchen scorecard. I want you to take this uh, and I want you to see how how our kitchen or our home. Um, you know, uh, fairs, uh, is it against or is it resisting or, or in support of our goals or is it against our goals? Let's try to make you aware of what's influencing our decisions. And here are some guidelines that I kind of want you to follow, which are, you know, uh, really simple, have a protein source with, that, uh, with every meal. You know, I have a rule from all my clients. Uh, you don't snack uh, and every meal, uh, a meal is not a meal unless it has a protein source. Um, and then I tell them have a serving of fruits and vegetables at every meal, avoid snacking, uh, you know, focus on eating minimally, uh, processed foods and then emphasizing having a bit more carbs around your workouts and try to eat between three and six meals a day and then i tell them track just to see where we fare i don't focus on uh, anything else try to stay within a set of numbers i just want to see where we are and for the first couple of weeks i won't set any numbers uh, just to see how they're going and i'll see their numbers improve over time by following those, those small principles and we'll just follow up with with the, their environment how that's improving if their score has gone up uh things like that but you know going back to, to macros you know, numbers aren't so important. Once your protein minimum is met um, and you're not and you're not eating too low of fat, it doesn't really matter what your, your macros are so long as you're in the calorie range that you need to be in. Um, unless you're training twice a day, you're a super elite endurance athlete or you're incredibly lean, it, you know, it doesn't really matter. It, it doesn't. Uh, you're going to see great performance measures. Uh, until you start dieting uh, and lose a substantial amount of body fat, you know, being more specific with your numbers is when it becomes more important. But until then, it's just being in a deficit, being aware of your behaviors and kind of self-guiding yourself to the numbers where you, you need to be for your goals. Um, Greg, you unmuted yourself. Did you want to jump Yeah, in? it's kind of like, well, that's just another example of how our coaching has evolved. Like we haven't like pigeonholed ourselves into saying that we are very specific, this type of coach or that type of coach. Like we're just nutrition coaches. So like, one year ago today, most of us were still doing macros, protein, carbs, fats. Mm-hmm. Now, I think the majority of us are, are not prescribing our clients with macros or prescribing them with uh, a protein target and then a calorie window. We want them to hit within that calorie window because we realize that it's just not that important. We're, we're really fixating on something 
that it's just making the diet a lot more harder to sustain, a little bit more overwhelming for people. And uh, I don't know, it's just a, another good example of just how we're evolving over time. And like I said, probably one year from now, our, our coaching is going to be a little bit different. And we just keep uh, adapting it so that we are client focused and not you're coming to us and this is our client. I love it's, that. Okay, I love- what, what can you do? We I become love, better listeners. Yeah, I, I love, Greg, what you just said about how, you know, and it's nothing to be ashamed about, right? It's just you you guys are taking responsibility to to learn about what current best practices are and are not afraid of saying, okay, yeah, a year ago we were doing it like this. It probably wasn't the best way. This is how, this is what we've learned and this is how we've changed our services. No, just absolutely. Like, if you have an ego toward your coaching, if you can't, you know, be open to learning, you're, you're going to be a shit coach. Yeah, like, something wrong with you. It's that easy. Exactly. It's like keeping up to date. Like you're, you're going to be left behind. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We're doing our continued education. We're learning more different ways to approach this, different mindset strategies. You know, we just keep keep evolving. And as long as you keep evolving, you're going to keep on giving the best quality service to your clients. Yeah, that is so important. And it's a it the difference between a coach who does that and who doesn't do that is so unbelievably apparent. And I think once, in any profession, not only in nutrition well, coaching. Yeah. yeah, personal development PT and continuing, continuing well, education that is, defines that, yeah. Yeah. is everything, <laughs> you know? And it's like, I, I mean, I know Chesco, we've even had interviews with people who have been, who, who tell us, yeah, I've been a nutrition coach for 10 years and I have all this experience and I've worked with XYZ, other nutrition service. And then it takes Chesco five minutes of talking to this person to be like, oh my God, they actually have no idea. They got stuck in 2008. What, what they're yeah. talking about. They're literally, all, all they're doing, their, their extent of their coaching is literally just giving three numbers and then making those numbers smaller hand. if the just person isn't losing weight. Pardon? He's just holding their hand, you know, answering all their questions for them. Oh, I'm at this restaurant. What do I eat? And then they send them a picture of the menu and it's like... They're, you're not doing it. The client isn't learning anything. Yeah. Exactly. That's and that that's very poor coaching because and people in this industry do that very intentionally to make a client 100% dependent on them. Mm-hmm. It is immoral, in my opinion. Um, we are trying to empower our clients. We're trying to educate our clients so they don't need us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I always tell my clients like that. The goal is not for you to work with me forever. Like I'm constantly working toward the goal of you leaving mm-hmm. and not working with me mm-hmm. and being hundred percent independent. Like I, I, I call it graduating my clients. I go here I, 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 and I encourage them when I think that they're ready, you know, cancel the program, give it, give it one or two months. Like you're hundred percent independent right now. Give it one or two months. If you don't feel comfortable, then you can come back. But I, I never, I make sure that they never perceive that as quitting but graduating, like you graduated, you, you learned as much as you possibly could. You have all the tools in your hand. Now you're graduating. You're going to take things on your own. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if things don't go well, they can always come back and we can start from where we left off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dependency in any situation is, is usually a bad thing. Yeah. You never, you, you never want to make people dependent on you in, in no, no situation. Jessica, can you talk a little bit about kind of what the, the continuing education program looks like at hybrid for our coaches? Yeah. I, I mean, we had Eric Helms on recently and one of the things that I, you know, we subscribe to is mass and whatever things come up there is something I share, but it, it's always just listening right now. All our coaches are at a point where they kind of know enough. They don't need to learn any more of the fundamentals. So it's more about what other coaches are doing, how they're practicing things, the situation that they're they're going through and how they're changing their practices so we can kind of 
uh, you know, become better critical thinkers, just uh, hearing other people's experiences and getting that, get their practice and applying it to not steal their practices, but hearing how they come to their decisions, what situations they're facing, because we may face those, uh, and just hearing how other people are changing their practices, how we keep up with ours. Um, and, and again, like, it's, everything's changing towards behaviors, you know? So it's more about listening, uh, learning about people, uh, now more than anything else, learning about the psychology uh, and, and uh, how to be better listeners. Um, and, and that's kind of how it's been formulated now because there, there isn't a whole lot of new research coming out about anything that's super novel that's going to change or revolutionize the industry except for, you know, a recent one that came out was on diet breaks uh, a year ago and whether or not they're, they're really helpful for clients. Um, but other than that, I mean, I mean, metabolic adaptation was a big one that we're kind of learning more about. And then the, um, the female triad and people, uh, through metabolic adaptation, women, uh, you know, losing their, their menstrual cycle, even at maintenance or going through other things like that. It, those things have been really important for us to ask deeper questions. Um, but you know, it's just right now it's more about listening to, to other people and how they're taking their practices, which has been really great for all of us. I, I think I, I learned better listening to other people. Yeah. How they're it's, a, it's a, it's a, nice it's really good, but it's surprisingly hard. Like when, when you're used to, you know, people are coming for you for advice, you feel obligated to give the advice mm-hmm. and it's really hard to just shut up and listen to the client, listen to what they're saying. And then together with the client, uh, devise what the best decision is for them. And it takes longer, but it's a hell of a lot more effective. Yeah, right. You're not the hero. You're the guide, right? Exactly. Craig Leibold says you're Alfred, not Batman. <laughs> yeah, you know, the client is Batman. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, um, on Greg's point, uh, I like what he said. It's like when, whenever they ask you for advice, like, oh, what should I eat at this restaurant? Or, oh, uh, what's, what's the best protein source for this meal? It's like, well, what do you like? Like, what do you think? What, what are some options you can choose that you think will fit? And it's like communicating with the client, understanding what they like, trying to make it fit their lifestyle rather than, yeah, just eat this kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's putting the power back in, into their hands. And, you know, it. I feel like the nutrition side of the industry has kind of lagged behind uh, in that sense. And maybe it's just because it, it's, it's a bit, it's a more difficult concept to grasp, but like for me, it's obvious if I see a power lifter in the gym and they're like doing a set of squat and sending it to their coach and they're waiting in real time for that coach to tell them <laughs> if their squat was good or not. It's like, dude, how long you've been a power lifter for five years. Like, you know how to do a squat. It's like, you don't need that. You don't need that immediate feedback. You don't need to have your hand held. And I think that giving that same power back to people on the nutrition side of things, it goes so far. Like that's just invaluable, uh, you know, uh, independence. Yeah. Which I think is also difficult to sell, um, because it's not sexy. People sign up for a program and often think that they're going to get a meal plan. Like, no, we don't do that. Uh, and they think like that, these magic foods, these magic, uh, this magic plan that's put together based on, you know, whatever this person thinks they got to eat organic rice cakes, organic, everything got to have beef at every meal, got to do all these things. They, they want to hear that. And ask us asking questions and us asking uh, about their environment, what's influencing their decisions. Sometimes uh, people are just like, I don't want this. Like, well, what's going on here? Well, my, my numbers, uh, which you, you asked about asked that uh, earlier, Hayden is like, do we get resistance about that? Yeah. I get that all the time. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm just going to give you numbers. 
you know, I don't think we need them, but I'm going to give you numbers anyways. And then alongside those numbers, I'm going to keep asking you these questions so we can, you know, eventually get to those numbers without even having to meet the numbers. Um, but it, that's probably the most difficult part because this is a long-term process uh, where we want people to quote unquote graduate from us. Um, and they can't do that with the meal plan. They can't do that with a set of numbers. They, they don't learn anything with that. Um, but yeah, you can't do that in real time. There is no immediate response that, you know, you taking the cereal off your counter and putting it on the top shelf. Uh, you don't really see that gratification sort of thing. And it, mm -hmm. it's difficult to get people to grasp the independence until they're three months in and they come to realize that when they go out or whatever and they didn't make the decision that they used to before and they are totally content with that. Yeah, well, I was going to, I want to jump in right now because it is funny how, you know, clients will ask us a question and like the examples that Simon gave, they'll say, you know, what's the best protein source for this? Or I'm going to this restaurant. They send me the, the menu uh, through an email, but what, what should I order? And we respond with, what do you think you should order? And sometimes every once in a while we get a response like, the hell am I paying you for? Like, yeah. tell me what I should order. But it's like, no, what you're paying for is we're building independence. Like, how many times do you eat food in a day? How many times are you exposed to food in a day? We can't be there to electronically hold your hand the entire way. The only way this can be successful for the long term is if you build these skills yourself. And you don't need to become a nutrition coach. You don't need to know, you know everything that there is to know about nutrition. You just need to know about yourself. You need to know about what you need, what you like, and, you know, making those small changes. So, was, you know, some clients, that means I've literally had some clients who are, were, are very overweight and some of the changes that we made were the difference between going to McDonald's and getting two hamburgers, two large fries and a big Coke to getting one hamburger, one fry and a Diet Coke. It's like, uh, there's a lot of people who would be, you know, they would want to jump to saying, don't go to McDonald's anymore. You know, eat, eat this uh, boiled chicken breast and some spinach and some Himalayan sea salt. Um, but no, we, we got to work with what the clients want and we have to make uh, changes that are realistic, sustainable, and to teach them along the way so they can maintain these results for the rest of their life. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we're approaching the hour mark. Do you guys have uh, any closing thoughts, maybe some advice that you have for people coming out of quarantine uh, or maybe trainers who... Uh, want to pursue nutrition coaching or any other closing thoughts you might you guys might have? Join Hamburg Nutrition. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Start Hamburg uh, Nutrition. Yeah, Link in bio. You know, look, remember what your previous routine was. You know, I had a client tell me uh, this week that they returned back to, to work um, and they just went back to their old routine. They remember what they were doing before, what was working and what wasn't working, and they were ready to refine it. Uh, if you know that you're going back to work and you have a date in mind, start reflecting on what it was like before. You know, there's going to be subtle changes to what your work environment is like and what's expected of you, but you already know what's coming. You already know what your obstacles are. Start planning ahead. And, you know, this plan doesn't have to be perfect, but you just have to have an outline. Uh, you know, there's this, that, that saying, plan to fail or fail to plan, plan to fail. Um, but you know, the plan never works out the way that you see it. So just have a, a guide, a template for yourself and be ready to adjust. Uh, but you already know the challenges, you already know what's coming. So prepare yourself and keep it simple. Uh, you know, Greg said earlier, make the harder decisions harder to make or the bad decisions harder to make and the good decisions easier to make. 
make those easier decisions as simple as possible. Uh, whatever was stopping you before, you know, be ready. If it's making meals, don't make meals. Have a protein bar. Have a protein shake. Make a sandwich with some ham in it. Have an apple with that sandwich. You know, whatever's super simple and easy to do, just do it. Uh, you know, you don't have to make, get things complicated. Just make it simple and you know, be ready. And that's pretty much it. And adjust. We're, we're fine. There's no on or off. You, you uh, one tire slot. You don't slash the other three. You, yeah. you figure it out and you fix it and you, you just keep going. Yeah. All right. My recommendation for anyone who's wanting to make improvements to your nutrition or your lifestyle in general. Uh, I feel lucky because I just did an Instagram post about this day. So I got it fresh in my brain. Uh, make the plan that you're, you want to sustain or the plan to get you to where you want to get, to get to those goals, to get those targets. Make sure that's also a plan that you can continue with after. So if you know it's weight loss, that doesn't mean that you need to stay on the same calories the entire time. Your calories can go up after you, you know, reach whatever your goals are, and then you can maintain that from that point on. But make sure that the plan is something that you feel comfortable with and that works with your lifestyle so you can continue with for after when you reach your goals. Because people are so often short-sighted. They just think about their goals, and up until that point, they never think about what after. So I, I don't want to throw, you know, keto under the bus because, you know, Vanessa's dad, he could eat keto all the time. I have a friend, Chrissy Sorachuk, she could eat keto all the time, no issues. But if you're doing a keto diet and you're on this diet and you know, I can't sustain this diet for the long term, but you're doing that to get weight loss results and to maintain those results, it's not going to work out. You, you have to do a style, uh, an approach that's going to work with your lifestyle and that you feel comfortable with uh, maintaining a, yeah, at least the variation of that after the fact, after you meet your goals. Yeah, agreed. That's the pitfall of pretty much any sort of diet with an end date. This, what do you do after? Yeah, so. no one, very rarely does someone think, you know, what after my goals? It's always just like they, they're picturing the goals and that's it. And then when I reach my goals, everything's going to be happy and, you know, I'm going to prance through the meadows, the rainbows and butterflies. But what, what after the fact? You know, that's the important part. Yeah, totally. I uh, just, just, just to add on to a bit what Greg and Chesco said, kind of when you're making this plan, don't make it in some like comfortable environment on this high, like feeling, feeling super good. Cause you know, that's not going to last, like be a, be a little realistic. Like if you were coming back from COVID and before you trained like six days a week, did all these crazy things. We're waking up at 4am, like start, start small. Like that's not just going to happen. Flip the switch just cause you know, everything open it back up. Like you can never start too small, but you can, you know, overwhelm yourself and start with too much on your plate. So yeah. Progress over perfection always. Yep. Awesome guys. Thank you so much. I think that's a great place to leave off. We'll put, uh, you know, your handles and everything in the notes so people can, can see where to follow you and get more good information about what we do, uh, at hyper nutrition and all that stuff. So, uh, stay safe and we'll catch you. Oh, one last thing. Yeah. I want to say one last thing. If you're a member or thinking about joining and you want to talk to us, we do uh, weekly discussions like this on our Facebook group privately. So if you like what we're talking about or you don't, you can argue with us on these groups if uh, you join. So be there. Yeah, if you're frustrated that you can't yell at Chesco during this call, join that group and you can yell at him the whole time. You can blow up that comment section. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, guys. Take care.